Welcome into Natchez Glen House Stories, the return edition, sort of the season two of the much-awaited season two of Natchez Glen House Stories. Let's get into this immediately because we're, at the time I record this, we are in October. And for me in the great state of Tennessee, October typically would mean a frost around Halloween-ish. But as we sit here recording this, it is October 12th, and there is a frost potential in the forecast for tomorrow night, which would cut the season short by a good 18-ish days. Last year's frost was on October 24th, so we'd be even about two weeks ahead of that. And as a grower on a small scale, and to define small scale for agriculture, let's call it anything below 20. And really, if we were being American standards of agriculture, it would be anything below 50. Losing a couple of weeks is a big deal. Losing a couple of weeks of production of flowers when you can harvest three, 400, 500 a day for that remaining uh, 20 days is significant numbers. And the Pacific Northwest this year, they even had a frost like way earlier than they traditionally do. Uh, somehow, some areas up in New England look like they may be spared uh, from frost for at least a few more days. But it's one of the challenges of being a local boutique grower. And I use the word boutique a lot because it's not only about small size, but it's also about being a little more particular about what you choose to grow. It's not just growing commodity flowers. It's not trying to say, okay, what's a really popular flower in the mass market space like gerber or daisy? Just saying, I'm going to grow those or long stem white roses. It's more than that. It's about being really specific with what you grow, much like a boutique. A boutique for clothing can't carry the same things Target or Walmart or mass market retailers do in those categories. It would be just a recipe for failure. So for flowers, it's identical. It's the same thing. I'm trying to zero in on what do we do to grow the most interesting things we can and get them out there into the marketplace. And now I'm going to tiptoe into a subject. And knowing my style, it's not going to be much of a tiptoe. It might be a full-on giant hammer. The last year of growing flowers here for the 2019 season at Natchez Glen has been really eye-opening. And if I look at it from a business perspective, our sales are well above where they were last year. Our engagement on social media is well above where it was last year. So these are all really positive indicators. But there was definitely a moment in the 2019 season for me where I saw the business transition from believing or thinking that wholesale would be a much larger percentage of the business to seeing that retail was going to be the future of what we did. And I don't think that was 
Was it a surprise to me? I guess it was. But what I learned throughout the course of the year is consumers, just people who love flowers, really love flowers. And on the wholesale side, the business of flowers, the economy of flowers, which is so much more complicated than what people want to talk about, is not the same. And there was a personal decision on my part going from the 2018 to 2019 growing season where I thought, okay, we're going to really put some effort in wholesale. We're going to grow dahlias that are going to be a little bit easier for a wholesale florist to take care of. Uh, give you this in a real practical sense. So the smaller ball dahlia has a better vase life, let's say, than some of the medium to large dahlia. And then the dinner plate, finger quote, phrase I don't like, magic dahlias, are even a little bit less vase life than the ball dahlia. So I went very heavy towards small ball dahlia to be able to make the job of a wholesale customer a little bit easier. Their processing maybe wouldn't have to be as perfect as it would with some of the bigger variety of dahlia. And that was a mistake on my part. I should not have done that. I should have stayed in the lane which I'm the most comfortable in, which is grow awesome magic flowers. The end. Processing flowers, if you're in the wholesale side of it, I think is part of what you need to be good at. It's part of the job requirement. If that wholesale buyer is not good at handling and processing flowers, then I would probably make the argument they're not that good with flowers. And I'll let you make the decision on what that means. But me as a grower trying to babysit these flowers for the end designer or wholesaler is not going to be a winning combination. It's not going to lead me to picking varieties that are the most unique, the greatest color, the most magical. And the irony of this is many of those flowers with just basic processing. What do I mean by basic processing? Let's sort of boil that down to a practical sense. Change your water daily. Give the bottom of the stem an occasional recut. That's it. It's not rocket science. I'm asking you to figure out some kind of magical mystery seance to be able to perform to keep that dahlia alive a little bit longer. In fact, I even had someone recently who had uh, gotten some of our large strawberry ice dahlia and said to me, wow, I've had those over a week and they still look really good and I've just changed the water a few times. So somewhere in my decision-making for last year, I felt like we would go down this really wholesale road. And now that's just not going to be the case. So 2020 for me is massively exciting. It's the year uh, since coming back to the gardens here at Nacho's Glen that I'm really excited. 2018 was just about getting it going and planting all this stuff and seeing and getting it established. And then 2019 has been, let's refine a little bit. And 2020 is where the real excitement begins for me personally. I can go back and grow the Dahlia varieties that are a little harder to find and source them and bring them in and just not really care about some of those post-harvesting issues and trying to make them uh, essentially mistake-proof for the wholesale side of the industry. And that's exciting. 
it's great to be able to go through availabilities and talk with friends and be like, is there a really cool, large purple dinner plate dahlia that you love? And by the way, there's not a lot of purple dinner plate dahlias. Just something I was thinking about in the last few weeks. And I'm like, you know, there's not a lot of them. There's like lavender ruffles. There's that one like purple teijo. We'll talk later, people. We're going to do a whole dahlia in review year on the podcast coming up soon. So many people ask me that we should carry dahlias, that we're going to start offering tubers for a sale and shipment. But the recap for me of 2019 is about how optimistic and fired up I am for 2020, which is great. And all of the consumer support is just unreal to me in such a positive way. From our flower cutting reservations to our bouquets that we partner with all of our great local retailers on to offer every week. Like it has been such resounding excitement and support from consumers on what I do here. That's just a huge thank you. And obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching the Instagram live that I'm uh, simulcasting this on, uh, a thank you to everybody who has takes the time and watches the content and enjoys the flowers. And I always try to provide a lot of information to people on the uh, both practical and uh, magical sense about growing their own flowers if you want to. And it's where gardening school came from. So that's really my big takeaway from this year. And obviously, I would put a caveat out there for anyone in the universe who also does cut flowers in other markets, maybe your market is going to be different. Maybe you're going to find there is just uh, overwhelming support from your local wholesale forest floral designer community. And I just don't see that at scale here in this region yet. I will continue to work on it. I will continue to try to do things that um, empower and educate the community of designers about how to work with flowers. But I'm going to tell you one quick anecdotal story that I had a moment a few weeks ago where I was conversing with a grower friend of mine and Iris came up in conversation and he said to me, what do you think about Iris, Steve, for cut flower? And I was like, I don't know. What do I think about Iris for cut flower? And he panned over, we were doing a, a FaceTime video and showed me some of the iris that they were growing. And I was like, wait a second. How are those iris blooming at that quantity, first off, and this is in September, and then these colors that you're showing? So they were reblooming iris that all of the color palette that breeders and hybridizers have been working on with iris that they seem like they finally got into. A lot of these beautiful like mauve colors and almost taupe. So I'm seeing this picture of this one iris from a small grower here in the United States called Brass Veins. Brass, like the metal, veins, horrible name. But literally the iris is this incredible, like brassy brown color, right? So I have all these pictures of iris. I'm thinking about iris as cut flowers as a grower. I go through the technical elements. I go, okay, when did iris bloom? Well, it's sort of peony-esque lane maybe a little after peony, but now there's these reblooming varieties. So I'm also thinking of like, okay, what's the economy? 
on a bearded iris? Well, it's going to usually on an iris, you could see a flower the first year uh, for sure. But then by year two, you'll start to see a, a little bit of production, not waiting forever like peony. So I would think on the wholesale side of the business, they'd probably be a $4 a stem kind of flower. And I was like, I have to share this with people. So I sent out in a direct message group to a lot of local floral designers about these bearded iris varieties. And I got back a little, let's be kind and call it sort of crickets. But yet, flip it and reverse it. Missy Elliott said it best. On the consumer side, just people that follow along on Instagram, all the hard eyes about these iris varieties. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, look at this. Look at this from uh, my local friends here um, at Iris City Gardens, which are like 30 minutes away from me. I got an iris there. There was a rebloomer called Unbelievable Love, and I had shared that on Instagram. And people were like, oh my gosh, hard eyes, emoji, head explodes. Everybody's into it. On the consumer side but not the wholesale side. And as a real hardcore plants person, it's a little heartbreaking. It's a little bit of a bummer. You want the people that have the word flower in their name, floral designer florist to have this great passion for flowers and plants one in the same and to not get that kind of reaction is just a tad sad to see but then the optimism is everyone else is so fired up about it people who come out to natchez glen for our flower cutting reservations not all of them are like these big hardcore flower gardener type people. Some of them just are like, wow, I want to see what this is about. And when they come out, they're like, I didn't even know there were roses. I didn't know there were dahlias. So it's going to be no different with the iris. And for me, that is such a fulfilling and enriching part of what I get to do. So for 2020, I made this decision of more of that. More of that less of the rest of this. I'll also be announcing soon some other plans that I have for Natchez Glen for 2020 and what we're going to do with flowers. But I wanted to take this time on both an Instagram Live and the podcast as a format to express some of this and give you a bit of a sneak peek, like behind the curtain, you know, as my friend in the Pacific Northwest says before she charges people $2,000 to show you like these are some of the things that create this disconnect in the world of flowers. And I think for anybody that wants to garden or has gardened or has a passion for plants, you want the people involved in the industry of it to have that same, wait a second, let me see that picture of that iris again. That's incredible. Wait a second. And that's fragrant too? You are, and it reblooms? You are blowing my mind. When I really was getting into uh, plants, 
I think one of the reasons why I was able to forge great relationships with growers who far exceeded my knowledge base at that time and with their experience and their expertise was because when I met with people, it was really clear how passionate and invested in the topic that I was. So they were so unbelievably generous with their time. And that still happens with me today. I will go meet plant people. Uh, Just this year, I did it with Iris City Gardens locally. I did it with Roses Unlimited in South Carolina. And I will just pilgrimage and be like, "Eh, Lawrence, South Carolina, it's not that far. What is that? Five and a half-ish hours? Stop in Asheville on the way? Hit up Buxton Hall? Great food recommendation, by the way. This is what happens when you stick with the Instagram lives and listen to the podcast. Buxton Hall, shout out in Asheville, North Carolina, one of the best spots for like really well, well, well done, high level of quality barbecue in the entire region of the Southern United States. But I go on these pilgrimages to meet these people like Pat Henry, like Greg over at Iris City Gardens, because I want to meet these folks. They've been growing roses or iris for, in some cases, 50, 60 years at their locations. And at the very least, I need to approach them with a lot of respect for what they've done. And number two, a lot of enthusiasm and passion for what they're doing and what they love. And I don't know if that's always the case with some of the people involved in the floral side of the plant world. And that's been really disappointing to see. But both sides now, Joni Mitchell. I've met so many great people this year of 2019 and people that are passionate. And I think that's what 2020 is about. It's about cultivating relationships. It's about cultivating that spirit for gardening and flowers and plants and pushing to the next thing, the most interesting things we possibly can. And that's what a boutique, to full circle this, flower farm should be about. Finding those flowers, finding those things that people who haven't seen them before can see them and then become passionate about. And if only that passion is for a minute while they enjoy that as a cut flower, that's enough. That's enough. Spreading that out into the world is what our job should be. Our job should not be thinking about this in some kind of antiquated industry that you call the floral trade, which is currently where it sits. wanted to quickly touch on something that my friend Kara locally, shout out, Blooming Joy Flowers, had talked about recently on an IGTV that she did. And it's a phrase that clearly is out there in a lot of fields. Community over competition as a phrase. And I think my experiences here locally are always going to be, like anything else, is personality-based. You know, that's one of the things with uh, independent business owners. It's a line that I used to use a lot. There's a reason why the word independent is in the phrase independent business owners, because many times it is very much that word, independent, and that can be frustrating. When I was on the corporate side of the world, I can tell you those were some of my most challenging clients 
when you got into this like very independent lane and uh, most of the information and data is saying to go left and they're like, we want to go right. And you're like, why? And they're like, because we just want to. I remember one time we were doing, uh, we had a large car dealership in Florida and we'd spent all this time on a concept for a commercial campaign for them for television. We're working on it and we're working on it. We come up with these really four really good ideas. It was going to be this like sequential series of content. And then we go, we meet with them. We pitch it. Think Mad Men, Don Draper, played by me. I'm in there. I'm pitching. Feels really good. Nailed it. And then the owner goes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. But I wanted to get my son in this commercial. How are we going to make that happen? What? What? (laughs) You're who? Yeah, he's a real cute little kid. Just turned four. (sighs) Independent. And many people that get into small-scale farming are similar. Independent. And there's great in that. Independent sometimes turns into individual thinking and creativity. And other times, it turns into high school. And it turns into cliques and people. And these people were here doing it for four years. And these people have only been doing it for four minutes. And the people who have been doing it for four years don't like the people that have been doing it for four minutes. And the people over here don't like that person because that person says hello and they feel is too happy. And the person over here doesn't like that person because they think that person is to this or that person is to that. And this is that. And this is that. And, 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 and Joe said this about Jane and Jane said this about Joe. And did you hear what Sally said about Steve? And did you see what Steve said about, come on people, you know what I mean? And I'm sure that that experience is completely going to be unique. I'm sure there are many flower grower markets that are kumbaya to the fullest and everybody is just chummy. But that's not going to be the case for everybody. And I can tell you from my experiences here and from interacting with a large amount of uh, small-scale flower growers in other parts of the world, it's not always the case. And when we talk about competition and what is competition, is that even a bad word? I don't think so. I think there's healthy competition. It only gets bad if you go and take a knife to somebody's tires. It only gets bad if you see somebody has clients in relationships, then you try to go behind their back and reach out to those clients directly. That's when it gets weird. But for flowers, the thing that's so interesting to me is there's a real clear evil empire. Yeah, I said it. Evil empire of Latin American flowers. That's the competition. So if you want to spend your energy and you want to be very like high school about it and you want to say things about people, why don't you pay attention to what's going on down there? Listen to the podcast with Nate Miller. Spend two hours of your time, listen to it, read the report from Paso International, and then tell me if that's not the thing you should be talking about. 
That is. So the word independent is that pendulum. And it is without question a both sides now subject. And I hope as we move into all these things for 2020 that I am excited about, I was saying this to uh, my daughter earlier today, shout out also, that do you know how excited I am to see these iris bloom in 2020? Like, if there's a scale of excitement for 2020, I'm well above the level. Like, people are like, Steve, do you, you, how much caffeine did you drink before you did this podcast? The answer would be none. That's how excited I am for 2020. And things like iris and these dahlia varieties and the gladiolas and the roses that I'm bringing in for 2020 are all what make me so excited. So the local flower community can be a community. It can be. But it takes like forging relationships, just like anything else. Seeing people's perspective, understanding styles may differ. Experience is sort of irrelevant. One of the great things that I saw this year that I just was really saddened by was a piece of print material that I saw that said, seasoned growers in the area would be eligible to participate in this thing, but newer people wouldn't yet. Um, guess what? No one, no one in the area that they were talking about has even been growing flowers for 10 years. Most not even five. How about we slow down with the word seasoned? Shall we? My Dutch friends would laugh and be like, ha ha ha, seasoned. You said seasoned and you've been growing flowers for four years and you said seasoned. Our farm's been here for 111 years. What? And that was one of the things that I was so devastated by, by this thing that was going on with that on the paper. Because I was like, man, our job, if you do have some experience like, like I do, in running a large production nursery and the knowledge that I have is to hope that we can find people in the local grower area who want to become flower growers and work with them and help coach them up on subjects so they don't have to make some of those same mistakes so the market gets stronger. Because the stronger the market is for local flowers, no matter who's driving the bus or whose name is on the flowers or who is selling them to who, it helps everybody. Because the evil empire is in Latin America. It's not down the street. It's 2,800 miles away. So if you want to get petty, get petty with somebody who lives outside of Bogota, Colombia. Not somebody who has the same area code. That's the problem. And unfortunately, the way the new trend of local flower movement has evolved, it hasn't addressed these subjects. It hasn't said, hey, local flower grower A and local flower grower B, what you guys really need to do is get educated on what's coming in your market from Latin America, your wholesale game there locally. What are the opportunities with it? What are the opportunities with retail? And then you guys can work together and really like an orchestra you play the violin, 
and I play the piano and we make beautiful music together. But if you're jealous that my violin is better than your violin or vice versa, we are not going to harmonize. And that's sort of where it is. Don't tell anybody. So when you talk about community and cooperation over competition, I think it's just shifting perspective of who are you actually competing with. You're not competing with your local community at all. Because as I said recently on a piece of content, we're not winning the battle against international flowers. We are severely losing it. And the only way that's changing is if local flower growers start to get a little more educated on where it's at. Because it's not at a good place right now. And I know not everyone that listens to the podcast, not everyone that follows me on Instagram, is in the lane of like flower business at all. People just love gardening, love flowers. And I think if you're one of those people, this is just as important to you. Because you know why? You know what's great? It's great for me if I get to bring in really unique and interesting flowers and share them. And then, you know who shares them next? Your local independent garden center. The grower that I got that really awesome, cool iris or dahlia from They know that you're interested and they grow more of those. And now you get access to them too for your garden, for your home, for your enjoyment. That's it. Not even ever having to sell a penny worth of flowers. That's how the business of flowers and plants works. So if we can do that, if everybody just makes that little change in perspective, it's better for the entire world of flowers and plants. These are deep subjects, people. We all know it on the podcast. I don't play around, people. I ain't playing around in here. We ain't playing around, right? Okay? We out here. We doing it real. We're talking about the stuff that's actually important. The things that actually move the conversation forward for you to get better flowers in your garden, for you to be a flower grower who can grow more interesting things and profit and make a business out of it. These are all fundamentally important to the future of plants, flowers, and gardening in the world, not just in the United States. Because if you think Latin America is bad for internationally grown flowers, where do you get a load of what they do in Western Africa? I know. I know. I know. You wouldn't have thought it, right? You're thinking to yourself, man, I didn't know this whole flower thing was this complicated. I didn't. I didn't know it. I just, I really, really just want to be able to grow a beautiful rose, iris, dahlia, peony, ranunculus, fill in the blank. By the way, if you ever want to challenge yourself, Anemone narcissus. There is an anemone that looks somewhere between a cross. Wait for it. An anemone, a daffodil, and a delphinium had a baby. And they called it anemone narcissus. It exists. It's out there. And it's probably perennial in most locations. That's what we need to be able to get to, people. We need to be able to get to growing those kind of plants, flower growing for flower farm and business, and for at-home garden. I'm going to close out this 
return edition of Nacho's Glen House podcast stories and always remind you if you can rate and review on wherever you listen podcast to podcast two. It is very beneficial. It helps more people discover the podcast, share it with friends, DM your neighbors and say they should listen to it. Make billboards in your own town. If you do and you at mention me on Instagram, I will find a way to send you free stuff for sure. Because I mean, that would be the greatest thing. Really, that's what someone should be doing. People should be making hand billboards, listen to Natchez Glen House stories wherever you live. And then I'll absolutely send you free Dahlia tubers, free flowers. There's a whole shipping component of Natchez Glen for 2020. I mean, these are the things. These are the real topics. Like these are the topics, people. We need to really be tackling grassroots, campaigning, Natchez Glen House stories, and maybe eventually I'll run for political office and we'll, uh, we'll do something about some of this international flower game. And it was fascinating to me recently because I, uh, in doing a piece of content, I had something said to me that I didn't believe anybody thought, but someone did think it, and my mind just went head explode emoji. Thanks, everybody, for listening. The upcoming episodes of uh, Natchez Glen House Stories are going to have a ton of content. We've got John Dole from North Carolina State University coming up to talk about uh, post-harvest and all kinds of flowers. My friend uh, at Rogers Nursery in New Zealand is going to be joining us. Uh, Hugh Smith from the University of Florida. We've got gardening school and a lot of guests that will be coming on the podcast will also be participating in gardening school. I mean, there's just a lot of good content ahead. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk again soon. Cheaters, cheating, liars, lie Without cause or alibi And they don't know cause they don't care In love and war all is fair Hearts are broken, love goes stale the real world ain't no fairy tale. Nothing turned out like you thought. Now look at all the time you've lost. You'll never get it back. Oh, you should have known. Most would have realized that.
And there's something that he can't condone Most would have realized that a long, long time ago.